Hi everybody, welcome back to the Sovereign Projector podcast. I'm so happy that you are here with me and my guests today. Um, This is just Heather recording a little bit of an intro before we get straight in to the little chat combo that I'm having with two of my past students um, this morning. Uh, Corey and Laura and we sort of didn't really realize before we hit record but we're all Scorpio sun um, and we sort of realized halfway through Uh, so that's why it's called three Scorpios walk into a bar Um, but yeah so we're going to be chatting about oh yeah the one thing I did want to say in this intro is that if you haven't listened to my episode where I do like the basic principles and practices of evolutionary astrology, I'd probably, I mean, it's up to you, but I would probably listen to that first uh, because we're going to go into some of our placements um, from an evolutionary astrology perspective today, like during this chat. So it might just be better for you if you have Um, and understanding what we're talking about when we are speaking about like Pluto placements and South Node placements and North Node placements. Because yeah, if you've listened to that episode, then you know that evolutionary astrology, like that this specific type of astrology that I do, um, it, yeah, takes a different kind of view of the chart than, than many, um, well, then like, I don't know, regular astrology, whatever is regular astrology. Anyway, you just listen to that episode anyway, because I sort of speak about how there's many different branches of astrology and they're all really different. Um, So yeah, we're going to get straight into it. I don't think I have anything else to say. Um, I'm going to link uh, both my Instagram and the Instagram of my two guests in the show notes so you guys can um, connect with them if you'd like to. They're so cool. I had so much fun just getting to know them um, on a deeper basis during this chat. Um, and just, yeah, how we've sort of lived such similar lives, especially with discovering like astrology or like magical sort of stuff really early in life. Um, even if it was just like reading about what it means to be a Scorpio in the books and whatever, and resonating deeply with it. I think we all shared that experience. I don't know if that's just a general Scorpio sun thing. I feel like definitely most Scorpio sun children at some point were like, God damn, finally, astrology is the only thing that explains why I feel like I'm 102 years old, but I'm six. Uh, so yeah, we we speak about a lot of that stuff. Um, and yeah, just like their stories and whatever. So I'm going to get straight into it. Um, yeah, my evolutionary astrology reader training, which is the course that they both took, it's now open for enrollment. We're starting on April 27. So I'm going to put the details for that in the show notes too. Um, but yeah, lots of love. I hope you enjoy this episode. I know I just had so much fun recording it. Um, and yeah, it just feels so good to connect with my past students in like this sort of deeper way and get to know them even better. So I hope you enjoy and I'll talk to you really soon. Okay. Okay. Hello everybody. Welcome back to the Sovereign Projector podcast. I'm sat here with two of my wonderful old students, not old, just X, <laughs> Cory and Laura. Um, we're sitting here. It's bright and early for me on the very morning of my Saturn return, but I'm so grateful they're here. Um, so yeah, how are you guys doing today um, in general? What's up? How are you? You feeling good? Yeah, feeling good. Excited to be doing this with you, Heather. Yay. Thank you. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling really good. It's like 1.30 here, so I've had like an entire day, so I'm activated <laughs> and ready to go. 
Yay. Have you hit the um, soul sake cycle yet today? I've enjoyed yes, watching I- that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Oh my gosh. Soul cycle every day in the sunshine. It's like feeling very, very spring up here and very um, airy uh-huh. season for sure. All oh, the that's fire activation. Yes. Uh, I'm so jealous. We just like had kind of our last little stretch of I guess autumn sun or like summer sun it's been so hot these last two weeks but then overnight like literally I woke up in the middle of the night to just rain thunder it's like okay autumn's here let's do it I can do it I can go within (laughs) I'm jealous because where I live we're moving into obviously like the spring summer and where I live it gets to be 100 every day in the summer 110 and I'm just dreading it I (sighs) <sighs> so rain sounds really nice right now oh yeah I guess because you are in um, LA are you yeah just the northern part of LA county kind of up yeah. in a little desert up here and it's hot oh no that's my environment that is like my perfect environment when I went to Phoenix like a few years ago I was like this is the best <laughs> it's so weird don't know if I could live there but that's yeah. a beautiful story anyway um <clears throat> Let's get to know you guys. So do you guys just want to tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, what you do, um, any hobbies other than astrology, anything like that that you want to share? Um, Corey, do you want to go first? Sure. Let's see. So I grew up in Colorado um, and I, after going to university there, I studied finance, which now that I really understand my chart, I see all of the things that are, you know, defining why I've done all of the things that I've done. So I was very much like, I need to study something sensible. I'm good at a lot of things. It's very similar to the podcast episode I listened to yours, Heather, where it's like, I'm good at a lot of stuff, but I don't really know what I want to do, but I know I should probably make money. So I'll go into, first I went into engineering. I was like, I'm good at science and math. I'll study engineering. And I was like, these are not my people. I just am way out of my depth here. So I switched to business, um, studied finance, got a job in San Francisco during like a tech boom, like the first tech boom. Um, And at 25, you know, I was making all this money. I had this great job. Everything on paper was going exactly the way it was supposed to, but I just had like a quarter life crisis and was like, nope, I'm just miserable. This isn't it. Um, And so I quit and I went and worked at a resort in Guam and just taught windsurfing and tennis and just spent six months out there just completely doing the opposite of everything I had been telling myself I was supposed to be doing. Um, So got that, you know, went out there, got my head on a little bit more straight, um, traveled through Asia a bit. I also got the opportunity to travel through Europe and backpack by myself, which was super necessary (laughs) for my soul. Um, And then after that, I had decided I wanted to move down to LA to start working in the entertainment industry. Um, I had a good friend from college who was an agent out here. And so I got seduced by that. I had grown up acting, but I was again, kind of like putting all this structure around that's a, that's a silly profession to want to pursue. Maybe if I go into the business side of acting, that's a better fit for me. So I came and did that and it was really fun for a while. Um, But as I changed and I think I started in that industry before my Saturn return. And then I think, you know, as I passed my Saturn return and got into my early thirties, it just 
was becoming really clear that it was just not the right fit for me. Uh, it's a very competitive environment to be an agent. If you've ever seen Entourage, it's very much like that. And, you know, I kind of came in as like this type A go-getter girl, but I started to feel that like, wow, this is not me. This is really toxic for me. It's kind of fake, you know, everybody's putting on a, a facade. It's all about a persona. And ultimately the only way that I was ever having any success was through the people that I represented. So it felt like I wasn't doing really anything but just selling people in a sense and I, I had a total nervous breakdown the pressure was just like way too much for me I completely crumbled and I was like I have got to get out of this and so and it took me a really long time to make that move I knew for years that I needed to get out of it but I was too afraid I was too afraid to let go I felt like I'm in my early 30s I've already thrown one career completely out the window and now I'm about to throw another one out the window like it was really scary but it just got to this point where I literally could not go to work I was waking up every morning just in tears just terrified so I said okay that's it I'm getting out and um, I did a little bit of kind of soul searching uh, about what would be something that would really make me happy that I was naturally drawn to. And I came to interior design, which when I look at my chart now and I see that I have Venus in the fourth house, it kind of makes sense to me in Libra. Um, and so I studied that at UCLA um, through their extension program. I got a job working at a really great uh, boutique furniture and design company in Santa Monica, where I was living at the time. And it was just like this. I know when, when the owner, Asher, interviewed me, he could just tell I was like this wounded little baby bird that needed you know, a little bit of, of a, a launching pad. And so he took a chance on me. And through that, I was able to kind of like just start to decondition from the intensity of that career path and the not selfness. And so did that for a few years and then um, just started to get, you know, I was in my late thirties and just started to get that really loud, like you must have children. Thing, just like screaming in my ears. Um, I got married in 2012. So, you know, I was in my mid thirties at that point, I guess my husband's five years younger than me. So I've always been the one kind of like, okay, we need to do this next step. We need to do this next step. And it just was just screaming everything inside of me. You know, that, that like, what do they call it? The biological clock, just screaming. And so um, at 40 years old, you know, I'd been thinking for the last decade, I probably can't have kids. It's probably too late for me. You know, we get so much conditioning as women that like, if you're not a mom by 30, you, oh, you're just, it's never going to happen, you know? And um, luckily I had been doing like a lot of manifestation type work. And I literally thought, okay, I'm going to manifest this child and mm -hmm. just sat down every day with the feeling and the emotion of what it would be like to actually have a kid visualized her running around and I tell you the second month we tried I got pregnant at 40 naturally so like I've since learned I'm also a cancer rising so maybe I have a little bit of extra fertility in there but the manifestation I think worked and so um had my daughter and decided I wanted to stay home with her at least for the first year of her life um and just being home with her like 
you know, I also have Pluto in the fourth and, and I have a stellium in the fifth. And so it's like, my evolutionary purpose is coming out. I'm embracing like the mama bear energy. Um, I have Mars in cancer in the first retrograde. So I always had a little bit of an issue with like being passive aggressive or, you know, not knowing how to channel any anger, but it's kind of like, now I have a purpose, like something to protect. And so I'm able to kind of channel that anger. Um, so yeah, so I stay at home with her now. Um, you know, the last year in the pandemic for me has been kind of a blessing. Like it's allowed time to just completely disconnect from outside energy. Now that I know that I'm a projector also, I really understand like how vital that is for me. So I've been able to like just disconnect, you know, find these different mysteries of the universe um, and just get super deep. And so that's where I'm at right now. Just like, you know, I think it's the Pluto conjunct I see. I just am obsessively wanting to uncover what's hidden. And so that's where I'm at right now, while also parenting a four-year-old who just is a completely different energy than me. She's a generator. So <laughs> trying to balance that as well. <laughs> oh my God. I did not know half of that stuff about you. That's awesome. I didn't know you lived in Guam. I always look at Guam. I'm like, this is such a random place, but something about me just wants to go there. I bet yeah. it's beautiful. <laughs> It's really nice. It's kind of like a mini Hawaii, I think, that's more accessible yeah. to um, Asia as well as Australia. We had a, several tourists from Australia come over. So Yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah. And I was just thinking when you were speaking about the acting industry too, like as a projector, like literally being able to see the truth behind all of the fakeness that you were speaking about, mm. like you just raise it in on that. It would be so frustrating. So that's really interesting yeah it was a yeah. lot it was you know fun like at first you're in your mid-20s it's like fun you're going to movie premieres oh. it's so sexy and glamorous and then oh. you just realize like oh I can't like even function with all of just this fake energy all around me you know and everybody just posturing yeah. and so much ego it was just like oh it was so hard for me yeah oh my god yeah I bet right awesome and what about you Laura tell us about yourself our resident generator over here. Yes, yes, air <laughs> generator. And um, yeah, so, you know, I have this like, I have this funny project um, projection in my life as like, I actually knew what I wanted to do since I was three years old. And then I just totally went out and did it. So it's like the opposite story. And I'm um, married to a projector. Um, so I totally get the like, he's had like six reincarnations at this point in, in life and career and identity. And it's so like beautiful to um, be a part of, but yeah, like, I mean, from a very, very young age, like three, four, five, I knew I was going to be an artist or I just was an artist. And then as soon as I understood that that was a thing people did, I was like, well, I'm, that's what I'm doing. And so I'm, I'm a professional artist, I'm a painter. And I just knew that from an early age. Um, and it's just been very incorporated in what I was into growing up. And then when I got in high school and they were like, you know, my parents were like, we don't care what you do, but you have to go to college and you have to go right away because <laughs> I'm also Sagittarius rising. So I, you know, shiny things like where else can I go? And so super funny story. This is like the ultimate Sag rising story. I went to five colleges for my undergrad. 
This is not a joke. I graduated high school early. So I went to one school, then went to another school for a year and a half, did a semester um, backpacking for two months in California, all throughout Bristol Cone National Forest and the Lost Coast and all of these places. And then for um, went to Evergreen in um, Oregon and then settled on my fifth college, the um, San Francisco Art Institute, where I finished out my last two years. So even though I knew what I was doing and I was like, nothing was going to stand in my way, um, I still um, took five colleges to get there. And then, um, but then um, a year after that, I went to graduate school at the same college that I finished my undergrad in for three years and got my master's degree in painting and drawing. And so my journey was very interesting um, with beginning to incorporate um, astrology into my work as I was always studying astrology back since I was a teenager. I started, stu started studying astrology and um, tarot and poetry and music and just all the things like just total soul searching. And, but I always, you know, it was all, that was all very personal to me and I kept it very personal. And because I am this like Scorpio sun, stubborn, I know what I want and I, and I'm going to do it no matter what. And if you tell me I can't, I'm just going to say something sassy back and do it anyway. Um, I really protected all that soul aspect of myself all through my twenties and thirties in my career. And, you know, really without even realizing it really fell into the patriarchal paradigm of the art world of like, um, if I'm going to do it, I need to do it this way. I need to talk about what I'm doing on this certain level, um, which, um, South Node Aquarius, I'm super intellectual. So it's really easy for me to talk about things on these intellectual levels. Um, but I was really just kind of like protecting and holding the whole spiritual aspect of my work to myself. And then um, two years ago, I went to an exhibition at the Guggenheim for Hilma off Clint. And it was the exhibition that was completely art historically redefining about this woman who was painting in the 1910, uh, 1910. Um, and she made this entire series of paintings that she called a commission from the divine. And she was in this occult and this, this seance with these other women. And she was like, I'm getting this download, like this, these people want me to, you know, this energy wants me to make this work. I have this commission energetically. And she took like a very large part of her life and she made this work but she said this work isn't to be shown now these are paintings for the future this work is not ready for the time and so it's kind of the coolest story ever she basically like drew out the pictures of what she wanted the museum that it was going to be shown in to look like before Frank Lloyd Wright drew himself um, the floor plans of the now Guggenheim in New York City and a hundred, you know, she, um, you know, two, it was two, it was the year before the pandemic. So it was like 2019 is when this exhibition went live and it was in the Guggenheim, the whole entire Guggenheim, six floors of her like 
beautiful sacred geometry. This is what light is. This is what uh, nature is. This is where humanity fits in and of it. It was all the all the things and it was completely embraced by the art world to the point that they have to rewrite who founded abstraction because it wasn't a man it was a woman and and I'm like oh okay this is like my time to like come out of hiding (laughs) of all these things that are I've just kept so personal and kept so um close to my heart but was afraid to you know disrupt my industry in and ever since then I've kind of just gone full on into incorporating these things into my work because they were already incorporated I just didn't talk about it so that I could be like taken quote unquote seriously and uh, so um, evolutionary astrology astrology and tarot and working with um the natural elements and incorporating that to my work in a way to help people understand those things even, or have some sort of access point of that in the work is what I'm doing now. So it's really um, been this kind of homecoming, so to speak. Oh God. Yeah. And just for everyone listening, like when you say incorporating the natural elements in your artwork, what does that look like? So um, right now I'm working on a whole new series of work um, called moon water paintings and I'm collecting water from rivers, snow melt because I live in Aspen, Colorado. So I'm like on the new moon and full moon when it's snowing here, which it has been for four months. I collect a lot of the snow and then I let it, it melts down to very much nothing. So you have to collect a lot of it. Um, And then I've been collecting from rivers and um, bodies of water around me on the new and full moon and charging them on my altar with that energy, labeling them. And then I use the, I'll use the moon water from one specific um, moon cycle for an entire painting. And instead of using tap water, um, because I mix water into my paints um, along with other mediums. And so the moon water that was collected in ritual from a specific place on a certain moon under a certain zodiac comes into the painting. And because my work is abstract and it's very energetic and vibrational, these energies just come out in the colors, they come out in the flow and it's become this whole like new alchemy in the way that I'm working as artist. So beautiful. Yeah. Uh, And I love watching, um, it really inspires me watching that on your stories when you were talking about your process, it was probably like a couple of weeks ago, but just talking about the process of like, you know, some people use paintbrushes. This is my <laughs> moon water. I was like, oh my God. My moon water and like my organic mayonnaise <laughs> container. Cause I, all my, so that, that's the thing is I've been using a hundred percent. For a long time, I used all poured paintings and I didn't touch a ten, uh, paintbrush for 10 years. And then after that, now I use some paintbrushes, but I do mostly poured work. It's, it's very much about movement, gravity, color. And so it's all poured out of these containers and those containers are, everything I eat out of. So it's pretty funny when I'm like mixing the moon water into like my organic mayonnaise container to make a pour. Oh my God, so good. All right, cool. Thank you guys so much for sharing. I feel like I just learned so much about both of you, which is just (laughs) amazing. Um, All right, so now Laura's kind of touched on it already, but I just want to hear like just about your journey into deciding that you want to study astrology more deeply, like as something more that you were I know, I guess, like, 
intent to focus more of your life energy on whatever that's looked like for you. So Corey, coming back to you. Yeah, sure. So I always, growing up, I was always interested in astrology, which I now understand to be like pop sun sign astrology, but you know, loved being a Scorpio, loved reading my horoscope in the magazine, all of that stuff. Um, you know, the internet didn't really become a thing until I graduated from college. So I didn't really have access to kind of all of this information. And it's so cool now to see so many young people just getting into astrology. I wish that I would have had that opportunity, but I think it's found me when it's supposed to. Um, so, you know, I always had that base of being really interested in it, but never knew about the depth beyond it. Um, and then about like, I'd say a couple years ago, <clears throat> I was on, you know, looking for a podcast to listen to and I clicked on spirituality and I came across a podcast about the Enneagram and I was like, oh, what is this? And so... Um, when I found out about the Enneagram, I just got obsessed, um, had to learn absolutely everything I could about it, you know, took, figured out what I was. I thought I was a one for a really long time because I have a lot of one traits, but ultimately I'm a six. Um, and then through the Enneagram, I heard about this thing called spiral dynamics. So I got super into that for a while, which is, it's like a system for understanding the evolution of human consciousness. Um, and it's been really great as a framework to try to understand a lot of the duality that we're seeing right now, especially in the United States where yeah. I am. Um, and so I was telling a friend about those two systems um, and she was like, oh, that's so cool. Have you heard about human design? And I was like, oh, no, but tell me about that one. So then I did my human design and found out it was a, a mental projector, which explained just so much about like how I just get really overwhelmed by people's energy. Um, and it was this just great framework for understanding, you know, a lot more about myself. And I kind of just realized that I'm really into these typology systems. So I just started an Instagram recently at archetypology because I'm just like taking Buzzfeed quizzes. What, you know, sex and city character are you? What ice cream are you? Like, I just love all of that kind of like typing stuff. Um, but while I was, while I was learning about human design, I was debating if I wanted to kind of take that and get super deep with that, like take a full uh, fledged course. And I had something, some little voice in me was like, the answer of the universe is math. It was just like, it's all math. I don't know what it means, but it's the core of it is math. It's the universal language. That's what it is. That's what God is, something to do with math. And I, um, I started listening. Well, I found your podcast because of projector in the title. And then you were talking about also astrology. And that, that same voice was like, wait a minute, what if astrology is real? Like the realest real thing that there is, you know? And I just got this kind of like knowing of astrology might be the real thing. So before I get all into human design, why don't I take a step back and learn about astrology first? Um, so I was listening to your podcast. I like um, this one called Embodied Astrology. I really like her methodology. And then I found the astrology podcast with Chris Brennan. And 
I was just like, okay, he's spending two to three hours going deep on one topic. This is for me. Like I, you know, I have a Gemini moon. So I've got like this super analytical mind that just, and then, like I said, Pluto conjunct, I see, I want to get deep Scorpio stellium, like, and I didn't know any of what that meant at that time, but I just started obsessively listening to the astrology podcast and wanting to learn everything about it. And so I was like, well, maybe I should I should get a reading. I should get an astrology reading. And so I looked into a couple of different astrologers um, and they all had like one to two year wait lists and it was several hundred dollars to get the reading. And I was kind of frustrated. I'm like, oh man, like, you know, and then I realized, well, maybe I should just learn how to read my own chart. Like I'm a smart girl. I could probably figure it out. I'm really good with languages and I'm really good with math. So maybe actually this is a thing that I could channel that into. And it was right around that time that you were talking on your podcast about how you had felt all of this pressure to sort of like be a certain thing within astrology or human design, like that you felt like you were supposed to post certain Instagram content on a certain schedule and, you know, you were supposed to do consultations and then you just step back and realize like, I actually want to teach. And so when you shared that story, I just felt really connected to you. I thought it was cool how vulnerable you were and open. And then I think in your next one, you mentioned you were going to have your first um, astrology training. And so it felt like an invitation at the right time. And it just felt like the right thing for me to do. So um, I signed up for it. I just, it, it felt right. And it wasn't even until I got your welcome email that I realized it was specifically evolutionary astrology. And I didn't even know that that was a thing before that. But when I saw that, I was like, oh yes, this is so cool. Like it's, I'm all about, you know, reincarnation and past lives and energy and there being just sort of like this universal consciousness. And so it seemed like a really good lens of a place to start. Um, and I liked that it was only six weeks. It felt like a manageable intro. Um, and the price point was basically the same as like getting a reading from one of these other people. So I jumped at the chance, um, loved your class and the way that you set up the invitation for the class, you know, after I signed up the first email I got, it was like, you know, if you're drawn to astrology, it's because you've got witchcraft in your bones and in your blood. And you know, you know, your, your soul has spent lifetimes gazing at the stars. And it really just gave me this permission to fully let it in and to be like, you know what? Yes. Like, I do feel extremely drawn to this type of work and I don't have to try to like be something in the world that I'm just not, you know? Um, so it was a great first entry point. And then from there, I've just been completely obsessed ever since. Um, you know, I can't <laughs> stop listening to podcasts. I bought Chris Brennan's Hellenistic Astrology book and Demetra George's. I read them both in the last month and I've signed up for a year one intensive with Achuta Bhavadas through Nightlight Astrology because I do feel like I'm not learning it. I'm remembering it. Yeah. You know, completely. Like, it just, yeah. I'm like, I am absorbing this at such a fast pace that either I personally already knew it 
or I'm just really tapped into the collective conscious that knows it, but I'm just remembering yeah. it. So Completely. it just feels right. It feels like the synthesis, like I said, of all of those things that I was good at when I was younger, but like that wasn't a path I even, I mean, I, you know, it's so far out of any realm of possibility at that time. So yeah. yeah. Isn't that hilarious? And yeah, just with the whole like mathematical mind and stuff too, because yeah, same thing, as you said, you connected with that podcast that I recorded about being really intelligent and whatever, and even just down to like having a photographic memory kind of thing. And like, I'm taking a, my first clairvoyancy course right now. And it's like, that's what it's for. It's not so you can memorize textbooks. It's so you can literally like see things with your third eye. But like, you know, conditioning says, oh, you know, you should put this memory to good use and like take standardized tests for a living or whatever. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing. And Laura, um, your yeah journey to deciding you want to study astrology deeper. Oh, and actually, before we go into that, I was just going to say, yes, I feel like it's so funny. Like, I always forget that, like, people don't know what I mean when I say evolutionary astrology, because I get that's why I recorded that episode like a couple of weeks ago or whatever. I was just like, okay, if you're going to study with me, this is what to expect. Like, because, you know, I, yeah, I just, people will just be like, oh, is evolutionary astrology is regular astrology. I'm like, no, it's actually like a specific branch of astrology. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that that actually worked out all right. And you weren't like, she's trying to tell me that reincarnation is not real. I'm like, that could have been a bit of a disaster. Yeah. So good. I'm glad that worked out. <laughs> oh, all righty, Laura, over to you. Journey to deciding to study astrology deeper. Yes, yes. Um, I, I know um, Corey and I resonate a lot on the like, getting interested into it younger and they're just it wasn't on the internet or the internet didn't exist and so when I first got into astrology um I literally bought the purple book the only astrology book you'll ever need to know and was like trying my best to do math and read every one of my family's charts when I was in high school and and um and fairly accurately I do say so and so surprisingly um when I look back I still have the book that's like over 20 years old now and so I started you know just always just a huge quest quest for knowledge and information and wisdom and astrology was a part of that um But through my 20s, it was very much like a lens for me to understand myself. And I think kind of what Corey was saying, just like a lack of information out there beyond like, I'm also a Scorpio son. This is like the Scorpio son podcast. I can just realize that. (laughs) Three Scorpio Scorpio stellium podcast. (laughs) Oh God. Nobody comes out alive. (laughs) And so I like, yeah, totally. And so it was really funny because, you know, I understood about being a Scorpio and this and that. And then my partner is also a Scorpio son and we have been together now 17 years and pretty early on, I understood like, yeah, we're both Scorpios, but like, we're so different. Like we're very compatible, but the way we handle energy and move through our day is just absolutely different. And now I understand all the nuances of that. And I also understand like, yeah, he's an emotional projector and I'm a pure generator. Like we are so different. People are like, Oh, you're two Scorpios. You got to be like just two of the same, you know? And it's like, uh, uh-uh. uh. and so like, I think I kind of got that, like in real life, like testing out of that astrology to understand that it was so 
much deeper than um, your sun sign. And I understood, you know, the moon sign a little bit. So I started getting into rising sign um, astrology with um, Hellenistic astrology and whole sign houses and really studying that. And so for the past five years, every single new moon for five plus years, my husband and I have taken um, Chani Nicholas's transit astrology courses, which now she has launched a phenomenal app that anybody can get. This was not that. This was like a bespoke um, little workbook that she would put out that was like Dropbox folder. And it was literally like a Dropbox folder each month. And so we, I started to really study um, how everything was transiting through my chart as a Sag rising and his chart as a Capricorn rising, which is really cool. Cause we're just one house off. So I started to realize like, Oh, after a year cycle transit of Jupiter and, um, Jupiter and Sagittarius in my second house. Now that's that now he's going to have that energy in his second house. And so I, it was just like this cool, like real life test lab of how astrology was affecting us. And we were just off enough in cycles that I could start to see the patterns. Um, and so that's what really got me interested in like realizing that like everybody's the whole sky. We're all, you know, we're all on this little tiny planet underneath the entire universe. And we all are connected by all of the zodiacs in our solar system. And that, that, that energy is affecting every single one of us. And so I really wanted to start to understand what that is. And as a professional artist, my, what I do for a living is look at the invisible. Like I paint abstractly. So like being with the invisible and making it visible, taking a blank canvas and turning it into something visible, but that's still, you know, quote unquote abstract um, is what I do. And so there was this intuitive way that I realized the same way that I paint is the same way that I could start to like intuitively understand what was happening in people's charts. And then, um, quickly I found I found you as well because of your human design podcast and I found out about human design sometime in the last year and just immediately was like metabolized everything about it in like two weeks like I don't think I slept the first four nights I was just like I'm listening to all, all, every podcast throughout the night I just like it was like a deep remembering it was just like oh yeah 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 got it got it got it just like bring it in and um and then I had had one evolutionary um pod uh astrology reading from a friend who was studying it as well where she just kind of touched we didn't do the pluto or anything it was really just the north south node and that was the only intro i'd had of that but it was so profound and in and in a way with like my karmic axis hits in a place where it's only my karmic axis north node and south node are there none of my planets are so it really just like illuminated my chart. And so when I heard that you were doing the evolutionary astrology, I was like, yes, let's do it. And I'm so glad I did. And it's given me the confidence to call myself an astrologer when before I was just like, oh, I, I study astrology, but realizing if you study something for 24 years, you might be an astrologer. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, now I want to speak about, actually, I'm glad we kind of started there. 
um, because I wanted to ask you guys about your actual thoughts about the practice of evolutionary astrology. And you can kind of take this question and run with it however you want, but maybe even just like what it's helped you to understand about yourself or your life thus far um, or specific like things that have happened or, you know, any clarity it's given you. Um, but yeah, any, any way you want to run with that. Um, yeah. Corey, did you want to go? Sure. Um, let's see. So Pluto, my Pluto is, well, and what you taught us was that Pluto was ultimately like the soul's evolutionary intent over lifetimes. And so mine is in the fourth house in Libra, and it's also conjunct Venus. Um, And so, you know, and and it's been really cool kind of even learning that Pluto is like more of a generational planet. Um, So I think it's was like 72 to 84. Everyone in that that was born in that time is going to have Pluto in Libra. Um, but then it's going to be in a different house in each chart. And so most of my peers, you know, have that same placement. And so we're all looking to evolve through partnership and through, you know, seeing ourselves mirrored through someone else. Um, and then when I saw that my Venus was conjuncted, I started to understand why I had some really obsessive relationships when I was younger. <laughs> And oh my goodness. I mean, and it really has been through relationship that I have evolved, you know, um, I had probably one, my first real relationship was very enmeshed, very codependent. Um, you know, it lasted a really long time. It was very difficult for me to leave it. Um, even though I knew that it wasn't really right anymore, I just was too afraid to let go. And then I had a, uh, a relationship with someone that I like to call a life ruiner and basically, you know, just a toxic narcissist. Um, and I just couldn't, I could not stop myself from just being drawn more and more into this relationship. And it was terrible for me on so many levels and I was miserable, but, you know, looking back, I think that it was what I needed, um, at the time. And then now with my current husband, you know, we've been together like 10, 12 years. I don't even know what year it is or what year we started dating anymore, but, um, I really say like he saved my life. I mean, it's not until I got into a relationship with him where I felt secure for the first time that I was able to even start to like let go of any of the defense mechanisms that I had been holding on to. Um, and really all of the growth that I like the meaningful growth um, and the spirituality that I've been able to bring into my life has been because I have that, that stable foundation from my relationship. Um, and so, and then the Pluto polarity point for Libra is in Aries and also my Chiron is in Aries. So, you know, I've got this wound around and it's in the 10th house. So I've got a wound around being seen, being visible, um, you know, related to career initiating, being self-focused and self-directed. And so you know, there's a need to, cause, you know, I feel like I've been selfish my whole life. Um, it's, but it's mostly been from like a place of just like extreme emotional vulnerability and trauma. So I've kind of like, haven't been able to focus on other people. Um, and so moving toward Aries is more of like an empowered way of 
focusing on myself where it's not like taking everybody down with me and just creating like a toxic mess everywhere I go, but more like stepping into the, the reality of who I really am and not having to be in this like not self place. Um, and then I've got my South node in Taurus in the 11th house. And that's the only thing I have in the 11th house. And so the Taurus portion, you know, it's very like simple and earthy and grounded. And I, I re-listened to your lecture about it last night because I wanted to remind myself and you said something about the weather. And I have this, I have this like irrational fear of inclement weather. Like I have had some super intense experiences. Like, um, you know, I grew up in Colorado. I grew up with snow. I didn't really experience it that much when I was younger, but in the last several years, it's like, if I'm driving somewhere in a snowstorm, I have a full blown panic attack. Like I'm in the back seat, hyperventilating, crying. Like, and when, you know, if like a hurricane's gonna come to Florida, I'm not even there, but I'm just feeling this panic. And it has to do with like, just, you know, it not being in our control. And I feel like there is a soul's memory of, you know, just perishing in some horrible weather um, incidents. Um, and then I also really relate to sort of the grounded nature aspect of it. Um, we have a family, my husband, part of his family uh, developed this community in Atlanta called Serenby. And it's just this like very pastoral setting, you know, organic farms, everything is very, um, you know, well interwoven with nature. And when I first visited it, I was just like, we have to move here. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is like everything, you know, and I, I didn't even really know that about myself in the past. I could never even keep a plant alive. But as soon as I got there, I was just like, whoa, like this is the kind of thing that I need. Um, and so I have started successfully keeping plants alive um, and in incorporating more of like that earthy energy. Um, and then I also, you know, when it comes to the 11th house, like you say, you can, you have to look at it from a negative perspective and the 11th house being groups and alliances and hopes and dreams. And so it could either go where you were isolated, you know, in exile from a group, or you were just so enmeshed in the group that you couldn't even really think for yourself. Um, and I kind of, I can relate with that. Like just even just up until recently, you know, my whole life, it's been about like fitting in, like feeling like I don't fit in, feeling like I'm somehow different, but wanting desperately to fit in, but then also like rejecting everybody's like ideals in the way that they were. It's like, I want to fit in so badly with these people, but I just don't get them. And I, I kind of don't like them, but I feel like I really want to fit in, you know? Um, and so in those ways, I can relate to it. Um, and then it's, it's Taurus, so it's ruled by Venus. And so then we go back to the Venus being conjunct Pluto. And we've got that sort of feminine energy that has been suppressed throughout much of human history. And I really resonate with just like <laughs> feeling that, you know, as a woman in yeah. this incarnation. And I feel like I'm carrying ancestral baggage of that for sure. Um, Cause that's in your fourth house too, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm healing a lot of that. I'm very vocal about feminist issues and I've gotten a lot more comfortable being openly vocal 
vocal about my beliefs in that way. And so then if you go to my North node, it's in Scorpio in the fifth house where my sun, my Mercury and my Uranus are. So I've got a lot going on there. Um, so those are gifts to help me move in this lifetime where I'm supposed to go. And it's about, um, you know, embracing my inner child and my creativity. And the thing is that I have an overcoming square from Saturn in the second on all of that, which totally makes sense as to why when I was younger, it wasn't like, oh, I want to be an actor. It's like, that's too silly. That is not responsible. You don't want to do that. That's ridiculous, you know? So I've had this Saturn on the back of my creativity my whole life, you know? I love to paint. Don't think about the arts. Like, only go into something sensible. And so now I'm able to see, you know, I'm through my Saturn return um, and I... I'm giving myself permission basically to kind of explore some of those more creative things, really embody that Scorpio energy that does want to see the deep mysteries of life. Um, and then with Taurus in my South node and Saturn in my second house, there is a lot of energy around lack versus like an abundance mentality. And I definitely grew up with like literal lack, you know, um, there wasn't enough money. We, we made it fine, but I had a single mother, you know, so we struggled and, and I've just had sort of a scarcity mindset for a really long time. And, um, it's only in the last couple of years that I've been able to transform that in like, um, you know, actively work on transforming that into more of an abundance mindset. So yeah, like I see, and then, you know, my north node is in Scorpio, which is ruled by Mars. So again, I'm moving towards that Aries energy that, you know, um, kind of just like an empowered drive, you know, being more vocal, being more um, seen for my true authentic self and just expressing myself more outwardly instead of, you know, turning it all inward like my Mars in retrograde and cancer wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's perfect exactly and I think too like just hearing you speak it is true that I think you've come to this practice and all of these practices too at the exact right time for you like you're literally graduating into those higher expressions of your chart like everything you just said and that's the beauty of I think working with evolutionary astrology post Saturn return um, because you can actually see the storyline playing out and like where it's kept you stuck. And that's something that I'm looking forward to with myself. And mm -hmm. even now, you know, <laughs> one day and, but no, like even like since December when um, Saturn moved into Aquarius kind of thing and like the whole return kind of started, I've just seen those, you know, my, um, my North Node is in Sag and my ruler is Jupiter. And just like those Jupiter things, like even just down to having a more optimistic mindset kind of thing has just become so much easier. Whereas like, you know, even like before last December, it was a lot more difficult. So um, yeah, thanks so much for sharing all that. It's always really cool to see like the chart reflected in a true human life and true stories. It's, yeah, it's really interesting. So thank you. Um, what about you, Laura? Let's hear about your, um, yeah, what, what evolutionary astrology sort of taught you about yourself or given you clarity on or yeah, anything you want to share there. Absolutely. I love going, um, 
um, in like reflection with Corey, because she, we do have such similarities, um, in our chart, even though they're, um, coming out in different ways. So I am also the same Pluto generation of Libra and my Libra is, um, is in the 11th house. So like Libra in the 11th house is like this amazing, beautiful thing, right? Like connection, community, it's, um, my Venus is there too. And, um, Jupiter is there too. And Saturn's there too. I have a stellium there. And so, and I've, and I've been working with Venetian energy for a really long time, but it wasn't an, and, and I'm an artist and all these things. Right. Um, and Venus is definitely like, I've always felt like the Venus energy has, is always kind of like protecting me and like shining this kind of like protective light on me so that I can go forward into the world. And it wasn't until I took your evolutionary astrology course that I understood that even though I have all this beautiful stuff happening in Libra in the 11th house with its ruler of Venus, Venus is conjunct Pluto within the degree. And so there really is this deep wounded past life thing. And I grew up with an intense, intense amount of anxiety and was super, super high anxiety until a, somewhere late twenties, early thirties. And it manifested in physical illnesses around my throat chakra even. And, um, it's, it, it was, and it was really hard to even diagnose and figure out. And then it turns out like I, through your course, I realized that that like Pluto, that Pluto, um, expression in Libra in the 11th house, um, really had to do with like this abandonment and a post-life. And I remember it was like, you know, something you just casually mentioned in a lecture that we were, and it was one of the ones we listened to on our own. And I remember listening to it, like cleaning up my kitchen. Cause I had there my, um, pods in and like my throat chakra just like closed. Like I was like, uh, grasping for air. And I was like, crap like I could just like that like that past life um memory just literally had me like gasping for air and you know that's what I think so interesting about like evolutionary astrology it's like you don't even have to like you don't have to know what happened like that's the kind of the whole point is coming here and forgetting is you don't need to know but there was this like visceral physical memory. And then, um, since, um, in the last month I had my Akashic records read. And the one thing that came out on past life is that I, um, spoke vocally spoke out about like, Hey, why are we like this in the world? And what if we were like living in more harmony with the planet? And like, these are the things that are wrong. And like, what if we did something about them? And I was shunned from society and died in isolation. <laughs> and it was so funny because I did in a, the reading, I wasn't asking for anything past life or, or whatever, but, but I think it was like, because I had just done all this work, they were like, oh yeah. So it was really interesting to have this other reading kind of come in and validate it in a way. And also kind of just like validate, like, oh, that would understand like why I would have just a lot of really un characteristic anxiety for like, maybe like my personality and like my bubbly Sag personality and so creative and all of the stuff. But there was just like this, like deep anxiety. Like, is it okay to say anything? Is it okay to say anything? Is it okay to wow. say anything? 
you know? And um, that is just the most like Pluto Libra 11th house past life trauma I've ever heard. (laughs) Totally, totally. And then like the beautiful thing that also came out of it. So, so first of all, it's like, so now I'm like, you know, it is, and it is, it's like, you know, I'm out of my Saturn return. I wish I would have known that then I actually like had such severe, um, throat chakra issues around my Saturn return that I had, um, very severe acid reflux from my anxiety and my digestion to the point that I had a hernia in my stomach and I had to have surgery. Like I was very ill through my like Saturn return physically. And now, and, um, now I have a different light on that. Like I have a like, okay. Cause nobody understood how or why other than like, I had digestive issues and I was able to, I, I, I eat well and I take great care of myself. And so I'm okay now. Um, but really, I think it was like that manifestation of that, like closed throat chakra, like trying to figure out how to like be in the world and now. Um, and so it just shined a whole different light on that for me, which was really, really cool. And then um, my Pluto polarity is in the um, is in Aries as well, which is in my fifth house of creativity, which is really cool because I am an artist and that I really, you know, lean into that creative energy. And then I thought that there was nothing in that house until we did the asteroid goddess um, goddesses um, laid over it. And I have um, Vesta there just like the goddess of like creative creativity in the art. So, you know, really realizing that it's like to take all of that and channel it. And it really is like, you know, the quote I want, I knew I wanted to say today was, which, which really resonates with me with evolutionary astrology so much. And also just like this whole past year is like the roomy quote that the wound is the place where the light enters you. And I think that that's just so profound for all of us in our life. And like the reading an evolutionary astrology natal chart, you're able to like see right where those wounds are and, and really figure out ways to transform them. I mean, you really are evolving from that place. And so um, it was just so cool. I feel like I was able to give myself a reading in that way through your course that I probably dif- dif- different than I would have gotten from another person. Right. So, yep. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It's always, um, yeah, to actually, cause you know, your life better than anyone else, obviously. So like when you look at your chart from this perspective, you can be like, oh, of course that makes sense. Oh, of course that makes sense. That's why I felt like that kind of thing. Um, yep. that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Cool. Okay. So, oh, before we like, I want to talk about this. I thought we could all speak about our little perceptions of the Aries new moon that's coming up on Monday for a little bit of astrology fun. But before we do that, do you guys want to tell us like, cause I know Laura, you are offering readings and stuff now, but what are you guys doing now in terms of your astrology practice? Um, yeah. Corey, did you, did you want to um, yeah, so right to? now I'm <clears throat> focused on um, creating content for my Instagram page. I'm using it as sort of a self-study expression. So as I'm trying to uh, learn things and really, you know, understand them deeply, it helps me to create content out of it. And then I'm just sharing it with the world. Um, and I 
I'm starting to read some of my friends' charts. Um, so I'm starting that way. I just want to start with, you know, people that I know do it for fun. I don't want to put any sort of pressure on myself to um, do it for money yet. Um, yeah. And then I like to pop into Reddit and just give free advice. That's my projector gets to like, just <laughs> if people are like, hey, what is this? I'll just give them a quick analysis because um, I can do that kind of anonymously. So yeah, I want to wait until I really dive into the first year study with um, the Hellenistic because, you know, that one is so complicated and it tells you so much and it can be so predictive and so accurate. And I just, I don't want to like, half know it and tell someone something that I might be slightly off with that could really mess them up. So um, yeah, a little hesitant to kind of uh, do that, but I am having a lot of fun doing it with my friends and um, you know, anyone who, who's willing to give me their info, I'm just like, oh, angels. It, so yeah. yeah, angels, especially like, oh, well, actually I have two points. The first point I want to make is that I'll link your Instagram um, in the show notes, but I can't believe that at archetypology was available as I a- know I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, I have to just get that. I mean, I'm like, obviously someone's going to have that. It's so on the nose and yet yeah. no. So, and when I started it, I was like, you know, I want to share content about the Enneagram. I want to share content about human design and spiral dynamics, like any yeah. kind of typing system. So that's why I kind of went towards that name. And I was also shocked and like, and on Twitter, I'm like, how is no one? Okay. <laughs> I guess it's my name now. Yep. <laughs> Wait, and I did have another question about that. Oh, I was just going to say like as a projector, actually, because I had so many problems with this when I was trying to like practice doing readings on friends and family and stuff. Um, how are you going, like getting the invitation for that? How does it feel? <laughs> like it's it's mostly fine, but I do have one friend where I did, he, you know, he, he kind of like said, oh yeah, let's do that. And then I, I read his chart and um, he's the one, he's a reflector and his, um, his natal chart is actually also like, he's got void of course, moon, Hellenistic void of course, moon, which is also extremely rare. rare. And so I like, I feel like I know so much about him now. And I don't think he is at a place where he really wants to get deep. And even in the chart, it shows me he doesn't really want to get deep. And so I'm having to just be like okay when he's ready for something like that we'll do it like I cannot force this issue it will come out wrong um and then you know I'll just be bitter (laughs) so (laughs) I'm really actually I think maybe that's why I found human design before astrology because if I didn't know that about myself I would probably be like trying to force people into it and just tell them stuff that they weren't ready to hear and then they wouldn't they wouldn't take it the right way. So it's actually is a blessing that I do know that about myself. So I can like hold back and realize that I have to wait for the invitation. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, that was the toughest thing when I was trying to practice and like, I understood I was a projector at the time, but I didn't really like understand or know that. And so I'd be like, you should let me read your chart and be like, okay. And then you sort of for like, then you get into the reading and they're just not receptive to it and it just feels really blah and then you know for so long you're like oh maybe I suck at you know it, yeah. it just didn't feel good so yeah it is it is good to know the whole projector strategy before trying to do that <laughs> and Laura you're yeah tell us about your readings and stuff and you're working yeah. with the 
asteroid yeah. goddess. Is yeah. So I think one big thing is like, you know, really just like putting myself out there as an artist who is, um, who is also an astrologer who works with the moon phases and like natural water sources in the creative process. And then what I'm doing with the paintings is I'll make the painting and at the end there's for the the show I'm working on now there'll be a little card next to the to the piece and the pieces are like five feet six feet they're like you step into them they're 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 meant to be larger than you are and experiential and it'll say um you know new moon in Pisces collected from I was just in um LA so collected from the um from the Pacific Ocean in, in Santa Monica. And then when I'm finished with the painting, I pull a tarot card um, without looking, of course. Um, but I just really am like, what is the energy of this painting here to say? And I'll pull a card. And then based off that card, I'll write a one to two paragraph divination um, of sorts. And it really interweaves the painting with the tarot with the astrology all in this like way to give people more like access points into the work um and that's really you know what I want what I'm working with energetically with my readings is because I'm an artist and I'm a creative I'm really interested in teaching people how to embody the astrology how to take this thing that seems invisible unseen and quote unquote abstract and make it tangible and applicable in their lives. So whether I'm doing like a six card tarot reading of which when I do my tarot reading, I'll look, if I do, if I'm doing like a deep dive reading, like a 75 minute reading, I'll look at their, um, birth chart with all the current transits. So we might like work with the new moon and Aries where that is in this and bring that into the tarot reading and then leave them with a ritual, um, to do, to really incorporate that. And then I'm doing, that's kind of what I'm doing a little bit with the natal chart readings too, is, um, doing the main points of evolutionary astrology, um, but adding Chiron and really, um, leaning into like my ability to like intuitively read someone's chart with the evolutionary astrology mixed with what's happening in the current sky, because that is, my background and just something I feel, um, super connected to. So it's easy for me to bring through into the reading. Yes. Yes. So beautiful. And I love the idea of leaving people with a little ritual to do too. I think that's so nice. Yeah. <clears throat> I love giving people homework. Cool. Um, well, yeah, I'll link your Instagram in the show notes too, because that's the best way to see your art and, and connect with you if people want a reading too, isn't it? Yes, yes, you can book a reading right on my Instagram bio for sure. Yeah, cool. Okay, perfect. Right, beautiful. Um, so, oh wait, I wanted to ask you guys, what's your favorite placement in your chart actually? Do you have favorites? If you had to pick a favorite. I mean, mine changes all the time. Well, not all the time, but it's just changed. Like it used to be my Aries rising um, because I always say that's the only thing that gets me out of bed. Like otherwise <laughs> I'd be asleep all the time. Um, but it has changed to being my Venus in Sag. Like she's just so fun. <laughs> I'm trying to lean into her more and do more fun things and not be such like a couch potato and like antisocial. But <laughs> what about you guys? <laughs> um, I am really intrigued by the fact that I'm a Cancer rising 
with Mars retrograde. And then the ruler of Cancer Moon is in my 12th house in Gemini. So I just find that to be a really rich place of where I could see, you know, <laughs> this need to communicate every emotion that I have and um, to just overanalyze emotions. And then also kind of being disconnected from my emotions at the same time, like not fully embodying them. I really see that growing up as like, it was just sort of like far away from me. You know, I couldn't see that part of myself. Um, and then over time, I have been able to integrate it. I was thinking I should probably just look at like my progressed moon and maybe it's moved into my first house because there was a point in time where I really did start like letting that wall down and letting those emotions in. Um, so I just think it's an interesting placement when your chart ruler is averse to your first house because it can really create kind of a sense of it and also just like a sense of feeling misunderstood, you know? Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, you have your Mars in Cancer as well, don't you? We have that in yeah. common. Yeah, mm -hmm. yours is retro. I realized the other day that I don't know how I didn't realize this, but like I have two... I have both my chart ruler, um, Mars, because I'm an Aries rising, and then my moon, so the ruling planet of my Mars, like in full, like because my moon is in Scorpio and my Mars is in Cancer, so they're both pretty miserable, but they're exactly trying and like they're in mutual reception. So I think that maybe it gives me at least, a, I'm still like a terribly moody, moody human, um, but it's something that especially... I think in the last couple of years, um, I've sort of learned to work with more constructively. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to learning more about like reception and, and that kind of stuff is what I really want to. And I also it. have been noticing, I'm really fascinated with looking at moon placements from a generational angle with your mom. So I'm a Gemini moon in the 12th house and my mom is a Gemini rising Pisces sun. And then I've got... Mars in Cancer in my first house, and my daughter has Mars conjunct the moon in Capricorn. Wow. In fourth house. <laughs> so it's just like I, really interesting. I love looking to see if there's any kind of like generational patterns with the mother and the moon. That's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, we could talk if about If you that figure maybe. it out, let us know. Yeah, please. Study mine too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to one thing that is interesting about like me and my parents chart is that we all have our Pluto in the same sign as our sun so like I'm Pluto Scorpio Scorpio sun mom's Pluto Virgo Virgo sun dad is Pluto Leo Leo sun um which is really interesting uh, generations anyway um Laura what's your favorite place yeah for yourself? Um, mine is actually um being Sagittarius rising because I'm just like <sighs> thank goodness. I'm just like this <laughs> eternal optimist most of the time, which is really great balance to the fact that I am Scorpio sun in the 12th house of death and transformation. Um, because, and then it's like my, and I, and I, my son is like, ap, like exact opposite my Chiron. So it's just like, I can go, I can, I can be in the darknesses and the transformation very easily, but being Sagittarius rising is just really like my, I feel like my superpower in my chart. And I have two conjunctions there. One of them is Mars, which I think is why 
movement in the first house has always been like a huge, huge part of my life. Like I'm super active. I always have been dance. I took dance for 25 years. I've been in yoga for 20 and now I like just do all kinds of, I'm just very physically active and I have to move every day. And I, and I think that pure generator thing factor is like in the Mars first house Sag is like a perfect combination because I have this outlets to like put, to burn my energy out. Um, and then I also have Neptune conjunct my rising and Mars in my first house in Sag. And I feel that that um, is so in resonance with my creativity and my art and my ability to kind of just like paint from this other place and from like where my writing and my poetry comes from. So that's my like favorite little conjunction nugget I have. <laughs> conjunction nugget that made conjunction the nugget. Astro- official <laughs> astrology too. <Yeah. laughs> Awesome. That's so good. All right. So before we wrap up and say farewell to the humans, um, do you guys have any, like this is, this episode will probably come out on Sunday and we have this beautiful new moon in Aries on Monday. Does anybody have any particular thoughts or feelings about this new moon? Um, Laura, did you want to go first this time? Yes. I'm like, really- oh, you're like shaking. Sounds like, all right, let the woman speak. Yeah. I'm like, I am. So I am like so excited about this new moon in Aries. It's kind of hilarious. Um, well, you know, right now, as we're recording this, the sun is at its, um, exaltation, um, degree of the 19th, a 19th degree, which is kind of like this high, high vibration for the year of the sun in Aries as we're moving into this new moon. And for me out here in Colorado, like we are, we have just moved into spring. We are moving into this warmer weather. Um, I've been double vaccinated, like life just really, it's like rebirth on top of rebirth feeling right now. Um, but being that it's in Aries and all of that, um, I'm just really feeling this like deep rebirth, this deep like connection to the sun. And my plan for the new moon is my husband and I are going to Moab and we're going to go camping under the new moon and do a huge ritual burn of all of this, just like energy and stuff from this last year. And so it seems just like the ultimate new moon in Aries. I'm going to go out to the desert and burn a bunch of shit. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. And I think that is really perfect for this, this new moon. Like it's such a letting go time of this. Like, that's exactly what I feel like too. And like, you know, my, this, my first house is just so lit up right now. Um, especially on this new moon too, there's going to be so much and like Ceres and also, um, Persephone, like speaking about the asteroid goddesses, they're, they're in there too. And I've just been like coming alive again. Like it feels like I've been half dead for a year and just from like rock climbing for the first time after a year and then like booking trips, like my Venus in Stag is just like, thank God. Like, you know, we, we in Melbourne, we haven't had a case of um, COVID for like seven weeks now, like no cases whatsoever. Um, except for like travelers, but they get locked away in a hospital. Um, and so it is truly like all the state borders have opened up in Australia. They, the government did a sponsored um, half price flight sale Australia wide. And I just went a little crazy and I've just, yeah, same. I'm going to throw out 
every item of clothing that I've worn, even in the last few months, I'm going to go shopping after this and just bring in that fresh energy. So yeah, beautiful. And what about you, Corey? Any thoughts to add to our yeah, just echoing what you guys are saying. Um, you know, it really just feels like you said, rebirth on top of rebirth on top of rebirth. Um, I was listening to another podcast. They were talking about how Mars just broke out of um, this Vedic yoga where all of the planets were contained between the two nodes for the past year. And Mars just broke out like two weeks ago. And so I feel like we've got that. You've got the Aries sun and now you've got the new moon in Aries. It's just, yeah, rebirth. Um, I'm getting my first shot on Friday. So, you know, looking forward to, I am someone who took it extremely seriously, the lockdown. Um, and, you know, we really have restricted ourselves for a year. And so we're looking forward to kind of planning some trips and starting to see family and friends that we, you know, really haven't been seeing. Um, so just, yeah, more of the same. Yay. Yeah. It feels awesome. All right. Beautiful. My dear friends, did anyone have anything else they want to say before we finish up and say goodbye? Just thank you for your class. I really can't tell you enough. Like the way that you embody what you teach is just so inspirational to me. And like, you know, the, the invitation that you give to just, you know, put aside all of the expectations of what it means to be, you know, human in this planet and all that conditioning just to drop it all and really embody the magic that is in astrology. I think, um, you know, has just opened that whole realm up for me. And I would highly encourage anyone that's considering taking the class to go ahead and take it you know um it starts off i think four weeks you do sort of the lecture and then it really gets into the fun part at the end where we all get to kind of analyze each other's charts and um really dig in and so it was cool to have like that connection for me for the first time with other like-minded women um and uh yeah so i just thank you for creating that space and i'm grateful to you oh god yeah, yeah, I'll totally, I'll totally ditto that. And I will like add on that note, like it's really fun to study something like evolutionary astrology, which is a very fun, magical thing from the mode of learning that's most you. And I think that I realized that about myself too. Like I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna pull out all my colors and highlighters and like embody this in the way that's the most authentically me that I wouldn't have done in a trend, a traditional paradigm. So, you know, it, it made it much more like workshoppy and, um, studying from an authentic space within myself. So thanks for holding that space for us. Ah, uh, thank you so much. And you just, yeah, like my despising of the traditional education system, I think really helped how I want to teach. Like I just, had a terrible time in school and don't like how it's run. So I'm glad that you had the opposite experience and had fun. hundred <laughs> percent. Well done. Yay. Thank <laughs> All you. right. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful ladies. Um, we'll say goodbye um, to the humans. Okay. Bye podcast friends. I'll probably record an outro after this, but thank you so much to Corey and Laura. Bye.